Hi guys, welcome to the 343 podcast. It's episode eight already. Uh, I'm your host, AF. Uh, we scaled down the team a bit this week. So welcome back to Jason, Ronnie and Ziad Parker. How's it, man? Always great to have you guys on again. Um, yeah, it's reaching the end of the year. So transfer rumors are all over the socials already. Media outlets are reporting whatever they can, they think that they can cook up. Um, gearing up for the January transfer market. Um, but yeah, what what news can you guys uh, give to us? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with you. Man, I hope I don't rain on Jason's parade, but uh, mm-hmm. for me, nothing really interesting stood out. So what I find very interesting coming up, obviously the new managers we'll talk about uh, a bit later, but for me, it's going to be interesting to see what Newcastle do, obviously with the, the money that's been thrown into the club now. They're getting associated with every single player who is unhappy on the verge of moving on the fringes and who they actually get is going to be very interesting. So obviously this links with uh, the talk about Jesse Lingard and then Donny van der Beek, obviously who's linked to numerous clubs because of, of his situation at United. Uh, so that that's going to be quite interesting for me. And then also thinking about players that Eddie Howe was uh, you know, worked with before. So a guy like Nathan Ake at City, could he be reunited with him uh, at Newcastle to help show up the defence? Um, other players that that could be on the move, especially considering it's a World Cup year and people want to get uh, some some football under the belt. So Hakim Ziyech, obviously at Chelsea, could be someone that teams are looking at maybe a loan. There's talk with Dortmund uh, for a loan for him. And then the last player I'll touch on before I pass over to Jason is Eddie and Ketia, who's kind of fallen off the radar, but obviously uh, Obama Yang and Lacazette have, have been up front most of the time. So he's found opportunities hard to come by. His contract's also coming up. Uh, it's, it's coming to an end soon. So he yeah. could be somebody who would make a, a loan move to a Norwich, a Villa, a Newcastle. So yeah, Jason, I hope I didn't steal anyone from uh, no, your <laughs> nah, nah, not at all. Um, Eddie Nketiah is looking actually like he wants to move permanently. Um, I think he's just looking for regular game time. Um, and I think it's hard. Arteta seems to have nailed down that spine with Lacazette staying there. Although Lacazette's also, I think he's, his contact comes to the end in, I think it's June next year. So that's also it's very interesting. Um, one player that I'm going to talk about... Um, not sure if it's very concrete links just yet, but it's the Serbian striker from Fiorentina, Dusan Flavic. Um, really good. Uh, seems to be very promising. Seems to be Fiorentina's leading man. Uh, also seems to be Serbia's leading man going forward now at the moment. Obviously, Mitrovic still commands quite a commanding role, a uh, figure in that space. But I think they have this right idea to actually blood him in, you know, get him in, in and amongst Dusan Taric, all of the experienced guys, you know. Um, yeah, really good profile to him. Link to Arsenal, link to Spurs. Why I'd go to Spurs, I don't know. Um, but yeah, if if Lacazette eventually does move on, I, I could see us actually going in for him just because he, he seems to be that that sort of creative link that we could actually use. Um, yeah, so yeah, but I mean, with that, you, you're probably looking at that sort of move for January. I think that's something yeah. probably... Yeah. Uh, at the end of the season, moving on to the the next season, because I mean, I, I watched him a bit where when they played against Portugal, I liked his movement. They had lots of energy and was making good runs. Obviously, with a guy like Tadic feeding him, does does also help your your profile and pushes your stock up. But 
now the January window, it's just like underwhelming, man. Like who's yeah. actually available? Who's actually going to move? Um, and you know, I'm thinking mostly loans, to be honest. I don't see any real big transfers. There's a lot of talk about players coming up. Uh, you know, they can negotiate now like Aspeliqueta and so on. Um, but even if they do make a move, it's not immediate. You know, they're still going to see out the season with the club. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, it is interesting. Okay, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, but there's, there's money. I think if, if anything, despite coming out of a very strong pandemic period, there's still lots of money that's there. So whether clubs are going to wait till the end of the season or actually get them in now, because like you said, there, there are players that need to start showing for the World Cup aspirations. So if you can force a move and you can force your hand, you can get the agent to get you out in Jan and look... Obama Young joined halfway through the season. So I I don't doubt players will move. And I think that they'll probably add one or two big names that are gonna move. But yeah, we will have to we'll have to wait it out, man. Let's wait and see. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like going back to the to the Newcastle comment that Jihad mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, there's so many players that sit on Manchester United's bench that want game time, that's in promised game time this season, but I mean, they've just been chilling there and been frozen out. I mean, Tony van der Beek, you mentioned Lingard, Dean Henderson as well. There's rumours of Dean Henderson going out and down for 18 months because these players, like like you said, it's a World Cup year next year. They they want to be playing regular football so that they can they can make the 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 country call up. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens in the January transfer window. Uh, Jason, we'll stay with you. Um, Norwich have recently appointed uh, former Aston Villa boss Dean Smith as the new manager. Uh, is this a good appointment? Do you think he has it in him to save Norwich from the job? Look, it's it's a it's a very interesting one. And actually, when I heard that, I, I thought that I was watching maybe the PSL. You know how how coaches get rotated quickly. You know, you leave one club, the next <laughs> week you show up from Joburg, you go to like Polokwane or something like that. Um, Dean Smith's a very good manager. If you look back at the record he had with Brentford, he did very well there. Maybe lacked a bit of resources, moved on to Villa. Did okay with them as well, saved him from the drop and then big injection of money and then suddenly they were up to eight. They were they were knocking off quite a few teams, um, pushing for that Europe spot. So it's, it's definitely going to be sort of in his alley where he, he can go to a team that doesn't have as many resources and yeah hopefully just find a system that works uh it is a tad bit concerning though 11 games into the season they've only got five points so there's that magical number that that people throw around you know 38 maybe 40 points that would almost guarantee safety but yeah it's it's very hard to see them actually doing anything um it just looks like it's a team of players that have not bought into anything this season and it's it's so strange because when they drop down to the championship, then they they wallop teams seven or five. No, it just shows the, the massive gulf in class between the championship and actual Premier League. So yeah, good good manager, interesting acquisition. Um, I think these first two games will be interesting because he's got Southampton team that relegated or not relegated him, but actually got him fired from Villa. Then he's got Wolves, and then I think the third game, which is end of November, they got Newcastle, which is two teams that are right at the bottom, you know, really just swapping spots uh, also with a new manager. So that that will be interesting. And 
I think he should survive. Um, yeah, it's just whether the team actually buys into what he wants to do and if he has complete backing from that board. Yeah, I, I was actually looking um, earlier today, I was looking at the squad um, of players. I mean, it's not a bad squad. And I, I think Daniel Farker, he, he ended up freezing out Todd Cantwell earlier on in the season for, I'm, I'm not sure what reason. Um, but yeah, so, so there's certain players in the team that could look at this as a clean slate, um, like they can look to revive their careers. And Todd Cantwell is not a bad player. He's a, he's a player that can make things happen on the pitch. And I'm pretty sure that Dean Smith is going to be telling him, okay, uh, bygones are bygones with whatever system the previous manager had uh, had you playing or like whatever happened between you guys. It's a clean slate now. Um, impress me, go out there, show me why you need to play. And um, I think that's a, that's a good proposition for any player in that squad. Um, Siad, do you have anything to add on? on the Norwich situation? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, to avoid relegation, you got to score goals. So, you know, he's going to have to find a way to restart the Puki party. And uh, that relationship between Cantal and Puki is is really good. And I think the, the other thing I've been reading about and hearing on a couple of podcasts is that Daniel Falk obviously was fantastic in the championship, coming, getting um, promoted. But he hadn't gotten the the confidence of the players in terms of his ability to keep them up. So a big change now is in terms of the Smith, when he walks into the changing room, he already commands that respect because he took Villa up and kept them up. So there could be something where, you know, he gets better buying from the players because he's been there and done that, as opposed to the manager who they had who got relegated and came back up uh, and then they're in a position to be relegated again. So you kind of do lose... Uh, confidence within, you know, the manager's ability, I suppose. Yeah, no, pretty true. Uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting watch to see what he does moving forward with Norwich. Uh, but Dean Smith's sacking at Aston Villa uh, meant that they had a job to appoint a new manager as well. Um, and in steps Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard. He uh, said this past week that the opportunity was a good challenge and a risk, but and the way you worded it was that it was too good to, to turn down. And But yeah, the, the, the Premier League is vastly different to the Scottish Premier League. Uh, so, Siad, how do you think Gerard will go about his first ever managerial stint in the Premier League? Well, there's obviously been a lot of talk about him taking over at Liverpool once Klopp moves on. And I, I was actually wondering how you bridge the gap from going uh, from a Rangers straight to a club like Liverpool, because we saw it with Frank Lampard, you know, a club legend. It doesn't necessarily translate to success, you know. He went from Derby County, obviously, to, to Chelsea. He did fairly well, but it just, you know, wasn't enough for that club. And I feel that that could be a similar uh, situation that he, he might be walking into when he eventually, um, you know, considers the opening at Liverpool, whenever that may be. But for, for him, this is probably just a stepping stone and it's an important stepping stone because if it goes well, then it enhances his uh, CV for that uh, potential job somewhere down the line. And if it doesn't go well, then there's the whispers and the doubts that creep in, you know, that can he actually be the manager of a top club? And coming from Rangers, like I said, big challenge uh, because the Premier League is a different ballgame altogether. But I think what, what he's done is he's taken his backroom staff with him 
from Rangers uh, across to Villa, which shows that Villa believe in his project and they're willing to support him. And that's a good start because he'd get uh, some time, some patience, some support. He'd probably get some funds to to boost the squad a little with the players that he wants. Uh, the biggest thing for me is, is he going to come in and, and, you know, kind of go with his own system that he likes and he's comfortable with, uh, which centers around a target man. Uh, and Villa actually have two very good strikers that I think if he looks at the squad he has available, he could find a way to play Watkins and Ings together up front, you know, and support him with the likes of Bailey and Buendia, etc. Um, biggest issue for him, sort out the defense, you know, get get confidence back into Tyrone Mings and figure out who's going to be in the midfield to, to help break up the play. And he, he's got a challenge ahead of him, but it's going to be interesting because he's got a good squad. So, yeah, I mean, I think he can he can do well and I'd like to see him do well. Never want to see anybody fail when they, they go into a job. So, yeah, it's exciting times, obviously, to see these players that we kind of grew up watching coming into management, you know, also gives away a bit about our age. But, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you, you mentioned that um, he's, he's going to need to find a way to play both Watkins and, and Inks together. Whereas Dean Smith, he always shafted Watkins out wide, and I mean he, he's he's a he's a natural striker. He's going to want to be in the box all the time, so I think that will that will be key to like finding finding that sweet spot between um, how to how to play Watkins and Ings together, or if you're just going to be rotating them together. Um, uh, and with with regards to Titan Mings, I think. In terms of like, you're going to need to restore his confidence because I mean, he's he's been sitting on the bench for a while under Dean Smith. Um, Isri Kansa is a quality um, defender, so it's it's going to be tough calls. It's going to be first having to basically uh, make sure that Mings' confidence is back up to speed again, and then maybe ease him back into that first team. But like you said, like you said with um, Dean Smith at Norwich. It's going to have to be down to buy in. The, the players will need to buy into whatever system Gerard uh, comes up with. Uh, Jason, do you have anything to add? No, nah, man. I think he had covered it perfectly. Um, look, it's, it's interesting. We've, we've got Vieira, we've got Arteta, we've got all these guys that have played, like you said, and it's interesting to see all of these guys in their right were exceptional midfielders, exceptional players, people on and off the field. So it's, it's interesting to see that transferred into a coaching role where it's not as as easy, you know. You you have to get buying from everybody, not even just on the field. So, yeah, definitely bodes for an exciting period. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just going to enhance the, the, the experience of the Premier League. Um, if a manager makes the team better, then, I mean, it's just like better entertainment. Uh, but, yeah, going... Okay. On to better entertainment. We have a few quality games coming this weekend. Leicester versus Chelsea, Manchester City versus Everton, Inter Milan versus Napoli. But the standout fixture is at Anfield where Liverpool hosts a resurgent Arsenal. Both teams looking quite good nick at the moment and so it has the, the, the potential to be a really good, good um, matchup. Uh, Siad, how good should Arsenal be feeling going into this game and knowing the, the Anfield Premier League record and so on, and what are the players to watch? 
Man, this is the true test. Obviously, Arsenal have done well to go from bottom to, to you know, uh, next to or just above Man United, which I take great pleasure in saying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, it, I think it's going to be really tough, eh, to be quite honest. And it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be a true barometer to where we're at in terms of our performance and as a club. And I think one thing I feel counts against us a little bit is the international break. I think, you know, we're building momentum nicely. And now to have this this break in between, the players obviously went away. Some did really well. Um, obviously, others uh, maybe fell out of qualification, whatever the case is. And, you know, until those players land again, you're not sure about uh, injuries and so on. So, yeah, I think... That, that is a tough one, but I mean, it's the same for both clubs, right? Both clubs had players uh, go and, and come back. So, true test uh, for us, I think the the important players, obviously, Smith Rouse, uh, high on confidence, made his England debut. Aaron Ramsdale made his England debut and has been fantastic in the polls. And he's going to have a lot of work to do, obviously, against the likes of Salah Mane and Firmino Jota. Uh, the big battles for me, it's going to be at right back for Tommy. I think he's going to have his hands full. We haven't seen him really mark a a world-class player, you know, the likes of, of Salah and Mane's caliber. Um, then at left-back, if uh, KT is fit enough to play or if Tavares is going to be playing, and if Tavares is playing, that's a weakness because that right side also sees Trent Alexander-Arnold bombing down that flank. Uh, so again, extra responsibility for Saka to cover, which we saw obviously a long time ago, but against Chelsea, the boys struggled. Uh, to deal with those wide areas and Reese James pretty much had his, his run. Obviously, the, the personnel has changed a little bit, but there's going to be an extra defensive uh, responsibility for the group. So players like Saka, uh, Katie or Tavares, whoever plays there and Tommy so those are the, the ones to watch for me. Sounds good. Um, Jason, I, I know you're an Arsenal fan, um, but on the Liverpool end, do you think they are worried about Arsenal's quick form coming into this match? Are there any injuries on the list for this week? And yeah, who who are the players that you think will be making a difference? Oh man, look, I think Liverpool don't really worry about anybody that they're playing against. You know, it's this <laughs> rockstar football. It's Anfield. You know, the crowd is back. Everybody's pumping. Um, Maybe a slight concern, you know, Arsenal seem to be looking good on paper, um, seem to be looking good in the last few results, but like I said, hasn't really been the sternest of tests. You know, it's it's games that we previously lost, so now we're actually winning it. Maybe not as, as comfortable, but we're actually getting the point, so it looks as if we're on an upward trajectory. Um, recent history hasn't been kind to us. Any trip we've taken recent to Anfield hasn't been the most fruitful for us. Um, Injury-wise, I saw in the week Mane limped off for Senegal, something about a bruised rib, and then I saw a picture today that he's back in training. Henderson, who, despite that money frontline that they have, Henderson, such a key player for them, you know, gets the guys going, gets the team moving. He was out for England's game against San Marino, and now I see he was also training again. Firmino, thankfully, who also loves a game against Arsenal, is out, <laughs> I think, until December with a hamstring strain. But then we have Jotto in the last two games, has picked up three, I think it's three goals. Um, so it's it's like literally like for like, man. Robbo went off injured last night, but you have Costas Timikas, you know, guy didn't sleep before the season, hasn't been sleeping now, so he's, he's just ready all the time. So it's like, yeah, man, I, I think 
that left-hand side, Alexander-Arnold's coming to form, so him being able to whip in across from the offer line is always a danger. Can't forget Salah, you know, every game, regardless of who he's playing against, guy just seems to have some sort of an impact. So, yeah, man, that, that right channel, like Ziad said, whether it's Katie, whether it's Tavares, that, that will be playing, it's, it's going to be quite a stern test for them. And then if Mane does eventually pass a late fitness test, manages to sneak his way in, that that's always a... That's always a dark horse. Um, you know, everybody focuses on Salah, but I think Mane gives enough so that Salah can do what he can do, you know. Um, so, yeah, those, those are those are the players. If Arsenal somehow manages to overrun that midfield, you know, um, hopefully it could work. I don't know. This is the, I think this is one of the realest tests for Arteta now since we've had this resurgence, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. Recent history doesn't bode very well for us Arsenal fans, but yeah, man, can be quietly confident, I think. See, in previous games, I mean, we against Liverpool, we don't have the ball, man. Mm. So it's how disciplined that team can be chasing the ball. Can they hold a position? Because as yeah. soon as you get tired and you break, that's where they take the gaps. You yeah. know, and any little space you give them, they can take that apart. So, I mean, yeah. in this recent run of Arsenal, they've had the ball for decent stretches. They've also played fairly well without the ball, but they have been put under pressure by yeah. teams like Crystal Palace, uh, obviously Conor Gallagher, fantastic player, um, and other teams have found it, you know, they've found periods of sustained pressure. Even the Villa game, we started well, but Villa came back and, and they had every chance to score. Yeah. Now, if you give Mane and Salah and Jota those types of opportunities, they don't need many. Yeah. So for me, that that's going to be the big thing. Can they hold their shape? Can they be disciplined without the ball? And then when they get the ball, do they have an out, a out yeah. ball? And you know, if they're not if they're not too deep, we've got good players who can progress the ball. Ben White, Ramsdale's distribution is fantastic, but can those attackers balance between defending and and you know supporting the 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 defenders, and then also being available for that outlet? Because sometimes you find against Liverpool, <laughs> all 10 players, 11 players behind the ball and you just can't get out. So that's the key for me. If they can they can be disciplined and always give an option to, to get out and, and try and counter. Uh, and I'm leaning more towards Lacazette uh, over Aubameyang uh, for this game because I feel he, he gives more of that link up and it can allow the players like, you know, Saka and smith to to overlap and free them up a little bit. So, yeah, let's see. So then who, like, if if you were to, to play somebody at left wing for this match, knowing that, that Trent Alexander-Arnold's defending isn't as good as people, like, like there's differing, differing opinions um, about his defending. Some people say that he's a good defender. Some people say that he's not really that great. So if you could have a choice of, left wing to run at him this weekend, who would it be? It would have to be Saka or Smithrow. The either one. Um, you know, they're quite direct. They they can take on the play and then it just I think Erdegaard also is a good option because of, of his ability to press. Uh he's really good and obviously he can do a lot if he gets the ball uh, in the right area. Um but I mean we know that Obama will play so it's very little, <laughs> kind of pointless. But yeah, I, I, I just in terms of form and everything that I've seen so far, I, I just think like as it adds uh, a lot of value to to the way we're playing with that link up, and I think Erdegaard's pressing ability is is second to none in that Arsenal setup. He has high energy, 
he closed down the space well and and he can release players easily you know if they are if they make themselves available obviously yeah uh i'm gonna go with uh predictions see how you can go first <laughs> man if we come at the anfield with a point i'll take it <laughs> jason yeah um Look, I'm leaning towards a draw, but at the same time, if I'm looking at history and I'm looking at current form, I think it's Liverpool, like 3-2. going to be a close game. Um, hopefully, we, we won't get walloped like we normally do, you know. I'd like to believe that that back four plus Ramsdale, you know, there's there's some confidence that has grown in and amongst them. So, hopefully, I never know. But, but I also I think, think we, have, we don't have yeah. that great a chance of scoring from open play against Liverpool you know it's difficult when you don't have the ball so you're relying on on probably set pieces which we have been fairly good in so if we can and, uh, nick a couple of corners yeah. you know but I mean it's Gabriel and, and obviously it's so, so that's yeah, yeah but now now you're thinking okay it's Gabriel but then you have to think shit Van Dijk's gonna mark him Gabriel, <laughs> it's not gonna be easy <laughs> he scored the back of his neck uh, exactly <laughs> just on the neck that to your I'm hoping for, for an Arsenal win. Eh? I, I think that, that Liverpool uh, Antwerp run needs to come to an end now. So hopefully hopefully Arsenal can can do the deed. <laughs> and um, from United. Perfect. Yeah, Hello. yeah. Let's uh, let's leave that. Yeah. <laughs> Moving to a Champions League spot, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to have a quick FPL uh, discussion. Um, who, who do you guys want to bring in? Um, I'll just go around. Uh, I'll, I'll actually start. Um, I'd, I think I'd bring in Oli Watkins this weekend. Um, I, I just have a feeling that Gerard's going to do a bit of a madness over there and it's going to kick off straight away. So, yeah, I think I think Oli Watkins is going to be a, a really good pick going forward, uh, Ziad. Uh, Palace, uh, any player from Palace, they have lots of good fixtures. Um, I'm really happy. Obviously, Patrick Vieira is uh, doing a really good job there and I want to see him succeed. So you're looking at um, players like Conor Gallagher, obviously easy choice. Uh, Zaha, obviously, uh, on penalties. You know, he, he's actually looked really good. He's gained some confidence. And then you literally can take anyone from the defense if, you, if you're the type of manager who prefers the, the wingbacks or the fullbacks. Uh, Mitchell is the option and he's quite cheap. Um, and then obviously the goalkeeper's done really well. Goita, however <laughs> you say that. Uh, it's always a mouthful. I don't. I never understand these names with all these vowels, man. Come on. That's what they make consonants for. Um, but yeah, any, anyone from Palace and then a sneaky pick. I know we'll see more like this, but uh, I think there's every chance Newcastle could score a lot. They're not going to keep clean sheets. They're not going to be able to defend well. But with Eddie Howe in the mix, they, I think they, there's some goals in that lineup. So you could be rewarded with obviously St. Maximin or Callum Wilson if he's fit. Yeah, reunion between Wilson and Fraser. Thank you. Be fit. Jason? Yeah. Uh, maybe we should call it the Holy Trinity, Fraser, Wilson and Howe. Because <laughs> yeah. those guys do work wonders. Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to suggest a cheeky Newcastle pick. Um, I think St. Max might work well, you know. Eddie Howe always used to have those wingers, you know. Uh, David Brooks doing well, running in behind. So, I think 
give St. Max that freedom, uh, which he had, but now maybe with a little bit more stability in the team, that, that might work. Um, if you don't have a Chelsea defender, man, I think mm-hmm. right now, probably the the most consistent picks would be either Ben Chilwell or Reese James. They they are a tad bit costly. Um, they do come in a bit cheaper than Alexander-Arnold if you do not have him. If you want to get him, that's also a good pick. You know, that guy can, like I said, whip a cross in from his own half if he wants to. Um, but yeah, I think the I think those two are, are sort of nailed on now. And especially with Reese James' form in the first international game, I think he got an assist. Might have gotten a goal. I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, I think those. And then just like I said, Crystal Palace, man. Conor Gallagher looking really, really good value for his price point. And then I think, yeah, it's very hard, man. You know, this thing changes very quickly. But yeah, those are my picks. And I think there, there's one team that we're overlooking. And that is but. Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> Spurs, uh, Spurs actually have a really good run of fixtures. Like on the FDR, they're all three and under. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Kane obviously stuffed the stat sheet in the international break. Yeah. Um, and with Conte, I think you're looking at Son and Kane and they, there's definitely points there. I mean, I've I've kept my, my Kane stock. Uh, I've been tempted I to drop Son stock. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm hoping for a bounce back there and some points. Because, I mean, the premium strikers haven't done well at all. Yeah. Um, and it's bound to turn, man. These guys are world-class. They can't keep underperforming. So yeah. if if a new manager comes in and they still don't score, then there's something wrong with Spurs. Yeah, man. I think that new manager bounce and the fact that it is Antonio Conte, um, it's, I, I think it's a match made in heaven for, for Eddie Kane. I think he's going to start slotting it in. I mean, what, he scored four goals last night? Um, so, yeah, it's... it's yeah. He's, I think he's turned the corner and that's he's just going to start racking them goals up now. <laughs> Put a little uh, asterisk next to four. Um that that, that backline consisted of one professional footballer. Other one was an olive oil salesman or something like that. I saw the keeper as an accountant. So yeah, but a little asterisk there next to that four goals. That sounds there. like the, the players that you line up with on a Saturday. It could actually be, eh? it could actually be playing a rebel league or something like that, you know. Yeah, at the end of the day, goal, goals on, on international level counts. I mean, uh, there, there was a time people complained that, that Rooney scored uh, most of his goals against like Macedonia and Dorda and all these other leagues, um, uh, all these other countries. And I mean, at the end of the day, it, it counts. It goes to your tally and I think he's now on 48 international goals. So I think he needs like four or five more and then he's top goal scorer. So I don't think who, he cares who he scores it against. <laughs> see see how far back we had to go to incorporate United in this podcast. We had to go to Wayne Rooney to talk about something positive about United. I, I wore the shirt. <laughs> I, I wore the shirt. I wore the shirt to incorporate United into this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, but it's black, so what are you like uh, mourning the death of United or something? I have been mourning, mourning the death. Clubs in the mourning phase. Hey, go buy some shares, man. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that's that's a wrap on episode eight of the 343 podcast. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sportycast. Like and share this video, hit the subscribe button. Uh, subscribe to our podcast 
on Google Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, and yeah, thanks to Jason and Ziad. Uh, as always, great to have you guys on. Uh, I'm AO4343. Stay safe and I'll catch you guys next time.